You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. I'm so glad to see you were able to sit down. Oh, thanks. Matt is uh, in the middle of some kind of crazy workout regime and is literally hobbling. (laughs) I barely recognized him this morning. But uh, glad you're here. Welcome to day 201, 202 of talking our way through the Bible. Where are we today, Matt? In the Old Testament. Our Old Testament reading for today is Hosea chapters 1 through 5. This is an interesting book. If you've ever just read through the Bible, you may remember this. This Of all the prophets, you might remember this prophet. You might remember this one. Simply because the whole thing... Well, what we've learned is um, it's kind of been fragmented together of oracles of Hosea. Mm-hmm. And his main motif, sometimes the prophets get something they have to act out. Mm-hmm. Or like Isaiah might hold a yoke, wear a yoke, and no clothes, you know, or some would go. Yeah. Anyway, you do things symbolically. Well, Hosea is asked by the Lord to pursue a woman who's uh, an adulterer. Yeah, known and, adulterer. And then... Again, he marries her, and then she runs away mm-hmm. and becomes basically a prostitute, and he has to chase her and love her and try to bring her back. And so the metaphor Hosea is using is <clears throat> Israel especially, but Israel and Judah, you've become an adulterous wife. Yes. And so that's kind of the motif. But let's get, let's get the idea of who are Hosea's contemporaries. Like, do you know the placement of Hosea? Yeah. So Hosea... He's, he's on the older side of his contemporaries, but uh, we have uh, Jonah, Amos, yes, and Isaiah. I also had, uh, I read Micah is around there. Oh, so, Isaiah, yes, Micah's in Judah, yeah. So. Yeah, Isaiah, Amos, and Micah are living in Judah, mm-hmm. but then, um, so Hosea is under Jeroboam, two sticks. Yeah. And um, he... So his, he and Jonah might have been right. acquainted. Cool. And so Hosea is going to be around, though. I think Assyria besieges uh, Samaria around 724, 722. And Hosea's dates of life, he lives, it looks like, through that to 715 is what I saw. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so Hosea is giving this around the same time uh, as everybody. I mean, I mean, again, it's, this is all to say mm-hmm. God has been gracious to Israel. It's not like he was quiet. He wasn't sending prophets. Mm-hmm. He wasn't constantly. There's multiple prophets. Multiple. At, so, and especially at this particular point in time to be like, guys, you are right on the edge. Because the, uh, the excess is so great. Mm-hmm. Everyone feels so safe. And so, again, you have another prophet after Amos, Hosea. And uh, his name is not burden. It means salvation. Yeah. So Hosea comes trying to warn them um, to turn from their kind of excessive, idolatrous lifestyle. And he has things to say, too, at least in the first five chapters, about the leadership and how corrupt the leadership has become. Yeah, which has been a theme even within Amos. So it's just, again, another layer of the story and of the of God's like attempts to warn and involve his people back in a conversation, like get them back to at least engage him. Right. <clears throat> well, God says, go take for yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. Not only is the word whoredom used three times in one verse, 
which I think is a record. We'll stat check that later. <laughs> but uh, if you kind of listen to what he's saying, mm-hmm. it's really interesting because it's like you're gonna go take someone that something that's illegal in Israel. Yeah, prostitution is supposed to be illegal, but mm-hmm. it's not because no one's keeping that law. So you go marry one. Um, marry a person like this, have children with her. Why? Because the land. This is the third mm-hmm. character back yes. from Genesis. Yeah, he talks about the land a lot in this. The land is throwing you guys up. Mm-hmm. It, the land is crying out. You are supposed to be the kingdom of priests, uniting God, man, and the earth together. Mm-hmm. You are supposed to be the source, the the new like mm-hmm. place, and you haven't. So, the Lord says, uh, "Have a son." Call his name Jezreel, which means to sow, right? Yes, and then Jezreel was also one of the main places that uh, Ahab and Jezebel, and one of those main cities, and so a lot of sin was committed there at Jezreel. And isn't this the end of the line, like of, of Jehu? Jehu and Jehu right. killed all of Ahab's uh, family in Jezreel, and also um, the king of Judah, who was with Ahab at the time, or Ahab's son. Uh, so, <clears throat> so there's going to be some irony in all these names. Mm-hmm. So he has a son named Jezreel, God sows. Then they're going to have a daughter named Lo Ruhama, which means uh, no mercy. Mercy. And then they're going to have another son, and his name's going to be Lo Ami, which means not my people. Yeah. So three kids with some tough names. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> and so he's saying, look... This is what's happening. So you're getting the idea like, okay, we've, we've committed adultery on God in this relationship, and as a result, the children, the thing that you're hoping for, mm-hmm. the next generation, is not my people, no mercy, God sows. Yeah. You know? And so what have you, uh, you're going to reap what you sow. What yes. have you sowed? It's kind of some irony. But then he has this thing about, um, well, what's the next? In verse 10, the hope of being under one tribe. Did you catch that? Yet the number of children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. So that's like an Abrahamic thing. Um, mm-hmm. And he says, you are not my people. It shall be said to them, <clears throat> children of the living God, and the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together. They shall appoint them for themselves one head, and they shall go up from the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. So like... It's confusing there for a second, but you realize he's prophesying there's going to be destruction, but eventually, all like all the tribes will be wiped out, but you will be under one from the tribe of Judah. Yes. So, I mean, this is a straight up, what we'd call a messianic prophecy right yeah. here. And so... Uh, yeah, he definitely, um, within every chapter, he kind of seeds a little hope each time, and it's like, don't worry, there will be hope later. Yeah. And so he's a little... I mean, Amos ended with that, but he keeps he peppers it in a lot more. Yeah, and this is feels like a lot more personal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's involving his his life, his own family, right? So I so, mean, yeah, it's a little more personal. Uh, Hosea's life is the illustration here, which is intense for God's relationship with His chosen people. Yeah, and uh, so then he goes on in chapter two, and he talks about all that's happened it's pretty awful mm-hmm. but how she's gone away and that even when she was going away and committing adultery and playing um, playing the prostitute yeah how he was providing for her all the good things still yes I thought it was like a weird earthy footprints 
You know, like, have you ever seen that poster? You can buy them at Walmart or whatever. It's a really sweet poem about through all the hard times. And I looked back and I only saw one set of footprints on the sand mm-hmm. because Jesus was carrying you. It's like, why oh, do yeah, I only yeah, see yeah. one pair yeah. of footprints? Well, this is a really awful yes. version of that. It's like, while you were whoring, mm-hmm. I was providing for you. And then... And, that, and it's the same idea where God's saying, like, while you yeah. guys were worshiping Baal and looking for all these Baals to provide uh, rain. fruitfulness yeah. and rain, that was me. I was providing that for you. Well... Then he goes on to uh, talk about the exodus. The, I'm going to lure you to the wilderness so that you can remember. Well, he does before that. He does drop. But there will be a time where I'm going to come and I'm going to take back everything I've given you. Yeah. And you, and you will be exposed for who you really are. Right. Uh, the, but in, then he does. Then, but then he ends with some more hope. He's like, but after that, I will bring you back into the wilderness I will speak softly to you. I will bring you back to the Valley of Acre, which means a uh, Valley of Trouble, and I will make it a door of hope. Right. And it says, and I will betroth you to me forever. Mm-hmm. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice and steadfast love and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so his whole idea here is you, he, all God wants is he's saying, remember the Exodus how I did these things for you before you were doing mm-hmm. all this ritual stuff. I loved you and I still, and I gave you my heart there and I married you. I gave you my vow and I want, my heart is to be known by you. Will you know me? Mm-hmm. And, and he's promising, like you will walk through all this hard time, but, and this discipline, but I will bring you back and we will start over. And the people I have, and I, oh, I love this at the, on 23. Yeah. He the, says, exactly. I will sow her for myself in the land I will have mercy on no mercy. I will say to not my people, you are my people. And he shall say, you are my God. Right. That's what God wants. Mm -hmm. He wants his people to say, you are my God. Mm -hmm. So put away. And then in chapter 3, it just goes on, adulterers. um, Well, this is where Hosea, after marrying his wife, she runs away and is now a prostitute full time. And God tells Hosea, go find her. And bring her back. Right. And marry her again. Or pay whatever you have to pay to get her so out he of the actually, ring. So he acts out what was just said. Mm-hmm. Like the theology of it was presented where God wants a new marriage. Mm-hmm. And the earth will be our witness and servant. And, and then he has to go act that out re- in reality. Yeah. It's pretty intense, man. Yeah, and then in chapter 4, uh, the Lord accuses like the religious authority... Uh, or religious authorities of Israel for leading them into uh, adultery. Well, he says the Lord, uh, the land mourns again. I counted about three times where he's talking about the land Mm -hmm. and the relationship. But he says, I reject you from being a priest. So like the people of God were Mm -hmm. supposed to be a kingdom of priests. Yes. And he's rejecting their priesthood. Yes. And and I, I don't remember where I read it. It's somewhere in this chapter. But when you seek him, you won't be able to find him. Was that in today's reading? Uh, was that in this one? Or maybe it was yesterday or somewhere. But <clears throat> I, anyway, I'm thinking about that going. The, the great privilege we have yeah. as Christians is when we seek God because of Jesus being the better priest, being mm-hmm. the better king, the better prophet, we always 
God is always available to us. Like faith can move mountains, right? Mm -hmm. We talk about that, mm -hmm. where you can access God anywhere now, and your faith in Jesus Christ allows you to find God every time you seek him. He's located in Jesus Christ. Yeah, I, I don't think that's in... Um, I don't either. I don't think that's in four, but because four is all about how even when they're done with one sin, they immediately engage in another. And so they're just so wrapped up in yeah. looking for pleasure and finding whatever they can for themselves in any other way but the Lord. And I think it describes, almost describes the world we live in where it says they shall eat but not be satisfied. Mm -hmm. Like When are people satisfied? They should play the whore but not multiply? I mean, that's mm -hmm. a value today, right? Yeah. Like, you play the be whore but not multiply. That was a curse back in the day. Now it's like that's made what's right. Mm-hmm. Like, I know. I know. Reading this is kind of like... Scary. Scary. Be promiscuous, and hopefully you won't have a baby. And if you do, we have a way to solve that. We'll make yeah. it a law. Just kill it. Because they have forsaken the Lord to cherish whoredom, wine, and new wine, mm -hmm. which take away the understanding. So to me, it's like, it leads to frustration and confusion, but mm -hmm. um, it's kind of where we live now. It's interesting, man. It's kind of scary, bro. Yeah. I'm using bro language. Uh, and then... He does, he also, I love knowing the places that they're ta always talking yeah. about. So, like, when they drop the significance of Gilgal, and he says Beth-Avon, which yeah. is house of evil, house of wickedness. Uh, but he's referring to Bethel, where they have the golden uh, yeah. calf. Yes. It's just a play on words, because Bethel is supposed to be house of God, but now Hosea's like, no, that's not the house of God, that's the house of wickedness. And so, and Gilgal was another big uh, worship center within Israel he's just like he's just condemning all these places and is condemning Israel uh, pretty harshly I mean like you guys have lost it you've completely yeah. you've committed yourselves over is this where he says the spirit of whoredom yes absolutely it's a thing yeah where you're just unsatiable and giving yourself for uh, some benefit mm-hmm and in this case, they've given themselves to other kings, to other gods. Oh, yeah, that's what happens in five. Yeah. And so in, in chapter oh, in five, five yeah. then he moves into rebuking Israel and Judah for going to other kings for safety. And so he even drops to Israel like, yeah, you go, you're going to the king of Assyria right now to, for safety and trying to placate him. with Because they would offer tributes if you recognize right. like, oh, this king could be a threat. Well, I'll just pay him a tribute, and he'll maybe see me as an asset instead of someone I need that needs to be conquered. Right, and, and so, so he's like, "Yeah, you do that, but one day, that guy's gonna conquer you." Exactly. Well, here's what I was talking about. It's in chapter five and verse six. They shall go to seek the Lord, but they will not find him, for mm -hmm. he has withdrawn from them. And that's where it's like <clears throat> the Lord withdrawing is such a scary thing. Yeah, that's how this one ends. But actually. in in Jesus. That's the faith we take mm -hmm. to have is that God will never withdraw from us because he's with Jesus and Jesus is for us. Yeah. And so it's a great comfort, though we might sin like the uh, pre-exilic Israelites, we are forgiven and Jesus will never leave us. So you can always seek him and find him. That's pretty huge. Yeah, that's how chapter five ends too is with uh, 14. He says, for I'll be like a lion to Ephraim and like a young lion to the house of Judah. I, even I, will tear and go away. I will carry off and no one shall rescue. I will return again to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face 
and in their distress earnestly seek me. So he's like, yeah. I'm going to return back to, like, a lion returning back to his den, and I'm just going to be there until they want to actually talk to me. So at the end of this, for the first five chapters of Hosea, chasing his wife, who's an adulterer, a prostitute, essentially, and buying her back, the message becomes clear. It's stop putting your hopes in foreign kings and in foreign gods. In fact, I think idolatry blocks you from finding finding God when you seek him. So like what he's saying is, yeah, we can seek God and find him mm-hmm. in Jesus. Mm-hmm. But if we have idols set up, it's hard. And to these people, I mean, idolatry, I think, blocks you. Yeah. And so he says, maybe, you know, well, because, you can't have it both ways. Because you, the reason you're going there is, again, it warps your mindset. You're no longer thinking in relation, relational terms. You're thinking of, like, how can I manipulate yeah. and get what I want? And so even when you go to God you're still trying to manipulate God. So check this out. This is, we're like almost 17 minutes in. So if you're listening, you can handle this. If you've made it this far on episode, you know, whatever, 200, and we're on day 201. That's 101. I think, have you ever heard people say like, I'm not being fed at this church? Mm-hmm. Or at yes. a yeah. church, yeah. not yeah. this church. I've heard church. that, yeah. I was just thinking, reading this, going, you know, have you ever asked yourself, maybe the reason you're not being fed is that um, you have some idols that are firmly in place. Yeah. You're getting fed elsewhere. Right. Like you have all sorts of idolatrous high places set up in your heart and in your mind, and you're really relying on them to provide for you Mm -hmm. everything. Then, you know, and then you're just saying, oh, I'm not being fed here. Well, maybe we need to tear down some of those idolatrous situations and you'll be able to start finding the Lord because you seek him it should be easy to find him. Mm-hmm. The only time it's not is when we got to tear down idols. But that's even a blessing from God. Like where I've had idols and I continue to search myself, God's gracious and he forgives. Yes. So repent and stop being silly and trying to blame everybody else for why you can't hear from God. He's available. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I was just thinking of that through this. because, But ultimately, God is always chasing after it. We're the ones who have committed adultery on him. Yeah. And he knows that. The other thought was, this is a ridiculous, um, there's a ridiculous show on. So whenever you're listening, I'm imagining people are going to listen to this in like 2050. And hopefully this show <laughs> won't be around by then. But um, there's a show about dating called The Bachelorette, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're already disgusted. Yes. I'm going to admit to you, I've watched some of this with my wife for fun. We make fun of it, but I don't know why. It's a silly, horrible show. But they always are so scared they're going to get hurt. Yeah. And so so I'm guarding myself. And then they've been so hurt before, Matt, that people have said, I don't know if they'll ever love again. In fact, they thought, you know, going on to the show, they didn't know if they could ever love again. And I'm reading this Hosea scripture, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, we have a God that has been so hurt He's been hurt to the point of being crucified by the people he loves. He's been hurt to the point where his wife has gone out to commit adultery and be a prostitute with his money and his things in mm-hmm. front of him. Mm-hmm. And yet, God has not given up on love. Right. God doesn't give up on love. Mm-hmm. No matter how bad. He's been hurt. If anyone should be guarding his heart, it should be God. But he's not. <laughs> he's recklessly abandoning all of that and open and searching after us and ready for us, yet we're hard-hearted. Um, so the good news is 
Jesus is that full expression of his love. And it's never too late. <laughs> it's never too late for love with it's God. It's never too late to find love. Anyway, All that right. got dark, but uh, I think helpful. Okay. I think it helped you, Good. didn't it? Sure. Why are you so guarded, Matt? <laughs> All right. As, uh, we got more of Hosea coming up in the next episodes, but let's go to our New Testament reading. Yeah. Which is? Our New Testament reading for today is Romans chapter 6. I think we go through chapter 7, verse 6, too. Oh, you're right. We do. There's a lot to cover. Again, we, uh, this is not a comprehensive. We're doing the best we can. There's so much to say with, with Romans. It's so deep. And wide and beautiful. and You're right. We do go through. Um, so it's fun just to kind of talk through the ideas of Paul in this letter. Let me get there. He, do you, did you catch how okay. he keeps circling around to the same question? Yes. He keeps circling. What's the question? Um, it's basically, are, are we to like sin more so grace right. abounds? And he keeps saying no, and he keeps approaching it at a different... Like, he keeps answering the same yes, question yeah. from a different angle. Um, and he builds this interesting, like, logic case, which I feel like I finally understood. I know, me for the too. First time. Yeah, it's so clear now. I'm like, oh, I see what he's doing. And the only... I mean, I don't know. For me, the... I feel like the best way to approach it is actually to go backwards. And I don't okay. know if that's helpful. <laughs> Keep, explain what you mean, go backwards. Uh, work, work from his, work from the 7, verse 1 through 6. Oh, okay. We can portion do that. And go back. That might be easier for our, our, in our context, our minds, the way we think about things. Um, so he, he ends with, in chapter 7, with, uh, we know that the law stops applying to someone after death. Yes. So after, so if someone is married. He uses that. It's pretty yes. good. If someone's married and they end up marrying another person and their spouse is still alive, the law says that person is an adulterer. Right. But if that person's spouse dies, yes. they are now free from any laws of marriage and they are legally and justly allowed to enter into a new marriage. Yeah. Because the ultimate, and this kind of on another deeper level, the question is, wait, why does death absolve the law? It does, but why? But why? And because the law, the only answer, the just uh, response to the law is death. Right. That's what the death. That's what the law requires. The payment for the law is death. And the farthest payment you can make is death. Like yeah. if you owe me money, you do wrong to me. The only thing I can do to you to pay back ultimately the highest price mm -hmm. is death. Yeah. And and, he, and in once you're dead, it's it's over. It's over, and like the law no longer applies to you. Okay. So like the so, the speed limit doesn't apply to a dead person, Matt. Correct. Shoplifting Taxes. doesn't apply. Taxes don't. They stop. Well, they try to tax dead people. But somehow dead people vote. Um, <laughs> but the law, the requirements of the law, no matter, no longer uh, matter because the requirement's been paid. The requirement is death. And so that's like working from there, having that firmly in mind, now we can work 
backwards into his argument. Yeah, because he's answering the question over and over again. He's gonna. This is we're gonna hit the third time mm-hmm. where it's so we can go on sinning more because we're just forgiven. Because the law doesn't apply to so us. So you have to hear us here. It's a very immature view. We've all had it. Yes. Okay, so don't feel bad, but it's very immature to be like, well, since God's forgiving me, mm-hmm. sin doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, oh, God forbid. You guys are thinking about it as like a child just wanting the candy. Right. And you think sin is candy. That's the problem. Right. Sin is death. Sin, you're playing with a bear trap, and you're like, can I play with the bear trap barefoot again? Yeah. And your parents are like, No. Why? Because it will take off your foot. But I want it. So, but you'll forgive me if I do it? Of course I'll forgive you. But I love you and I want you to have two feet. Yes. Yes. And, yes. and that's the whole argument. And so that's why he gets to the point where he's like, look, and he's talking to the Jews. Look, I love the law. I receive the law. But the law is only good for people who are under death. Mm-hmm. But then if they die, the law is absolved. Christ has died. The law of that marriage to death is over because Christ has killed. He slayed death. You're no longer yes. married to death and sin. Right? Is that how you're saying it? Right. And yeah. so, but the thing, so, okay. So the law is absolved for Christ. Yes. He, he met it perfectly. He died. And the rejection and the shame of, like, of the full wrath of God, all the law mm-hmm. of God was poured out onto him and he died and he rose again, and the law does not apply to him. He has broken the hold of the law. How do we enter into that? How do we die to the law? Baptism. Baptism. I know, he clearly says this, man. Baptism. (laughs) It hit me so hard after reading this this morning. I was like, holy cow. You're like, oh no, that, I mean, there's no, in fact, it's in chapter six, he says it right away. He's like, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? death? Right. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. Death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might, be, might walk in newness of life. Yeah, I mean, he says we're united to him in his death. So like our faith and baptism is what unites us. It's the death. So if Christ's death defeats the law and we have to enter into Christ's death and we can enter into that now, the only way to enter into that now, the most clear, objective way to enter into that is through baptism. Blew my mind how clearly that was stated in Romans 6. But why do we grow up always hearing like, baptism doesn't save you, it's just a good thing to do. Yeah, it does nothing. It's like, I think it was an overreaction to Roman Catholicism or something. Yeah, where you were baptized but and then lived like, it's very clear. like the people he's yeah. talking about. No, it's faith and God mm-hmm. uses things like baptism to solidify. And, and, and what switched for me was I'm going, oh, baptism is something God is doing to me. Yes. He's uniting me to his death. I'm making a profession of faith. Right. Like, here's what I'm doing. I believe it and I trust you, Lord, and I'm going to do this thing. And then what God's doing in baptism is, yeah, you can rest assured. I'm marking you. Mm-hmm. You are dead. And now what that means is straight up. So consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Yeah. So now you're alive to God under the rule of grace. So before, because before this, you are alive to sin and dead to God. Right. And so you can only sin. 
Mm-hmm. You can try to do good things and feel good about it, but you're sinning you're because sinning. you're broken. Mm-hmm. Again, it's a condition. It's not necessarily actions all the time you're doing. And so to break the slavery of sin, yeah. the only way to get out of that slavery is to die. Right. And you have to die with Christ. And the way you die with Christ is through baptism. It's repentance, faith, and then he gives us the sign and seal of baptism oh, to man. hide in and hide under and be assured that you have truly died. Yes. How do you know you've died to the law? I've been baptized. I've been I've been thrust under the water. The water's been poured over me. Whatever it is, I've gotten to that water, and by faith, the yes. Word of God has made that water um, effective yeah. in drowning the old man and raising me to new, new, a new life. Yeah, and then... So and this then, is therefore. Yeah, and then... Uh, well, where are you getting that? I'm just getting that from... I'm in chapter 6. Yeah. Says, so let sin therefore... Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to mm-hmm. make you obey its passions. So the idea is, he's going to go on to say, um, look, you still have the effects of sin, mm-hmm. so you're still tempted, but it doesn't have the power anymore. So you don't have to do that. Your instruments, your body can be used for righteousness now because mm-hmm. you are made alive. Mm-hmm. That, that whole agreement... The law, you have died with Christ, mm-hmm. and so the law no longer, you're no longer married to sin and death. Right. You're going to rise again. Mm-hmm. And so Paul's argument, though, so since you are not under law, but under grace. But then, this is in uh, verse 15. Yes. So what then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? And again, Paul's like, okay, by no means am I, is this a way to get around sinning? Right. Look, you're... Once you've tasted of something good, you don't want to eat the bad anymore. Right. He's like, so your desire, you're still going to have your desire, but I'm telling you, you don't have to eat death anymore. I don't know. I can't even think of an example right now, but, but um, he's no, like, I, present I, yourselves as obedient slaves. Like you are now, you've been set free from sin and you've become slaves of righteousness. He's, and then he goes, I'm speaking in natural terms because of your natural limitations. And that's where he gets into the marriage I think. Um, well, it gets in the marriage thing in seven, but uh, the yeah. idea, though, I think he's like getting around. He's trying to get us to because we're so broken, right? That we think in terms of the people playing on the Bachelorette. <laughs> oh boy! All right, explain that to me. We think in terms of I oh. have to trust this system. This is the system. That's going to get me love. So here's the I system. I believe the system works. The system of the Bachelorette is there's one person and there's 25, one woman and 25 guys yeah. all dating her at the same time. Yes. And through this system of sifting through and cutting people and giving roses to people that mm-hmm. you like, you will slowly get to, at the end of this five-week process, one person who you'll marry. Mm-hmm. It's an absurd system because you have one person dating 25 people at a time. Yes. But it's entertaining. And, and gross. And gross. And people believe in it. But people believe in it. And we're so in our own minds thinking like, I think that really is the best way. And Paul is the viewer shouting outside going, that is unnatural and gross. <laughs> what are you doing? There is a better way to do this. There's a way where one person will give you his or her affection and yes. not be competing with 25 and others. And will commit to you for life. Sounds good. And it sounds crazy from where you guys are so broken you look at that and go nah i think that's that's messed up 
we're so broken. We look at sin as like the candy, right. but he's going, sin always leads to death. It's always gross. It's, it never is good. You don't want to sin anymore. Once you have tasted the life that God has given you or can give you, you will only want that. Right. So no, we are no longer held to the law, but we still use it as a guide, as a source of life, as a way to live, that, live healthy, live clean. Yeah, and it's like anybody who's ever been sick or has struggled with something and you realize, oh, the way to, uh, to help heal my knee is to do knee exercises. Right. And until you start doing those knee exercises, you're a slave. Your yeah. knee's going to hurt. You're always going to be complaining. But you've made up your mind to not do it or whatever. Yeah, and so the message exercise, is... Exercising hard. Exercising is hard. But he's saying, look, we've exchanged the written code, which couldn't empower us to obey. No. The written code only condemned it. It said, here's, you have to pay taxes and you will die. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't give you the money to pay. It didn't give you eternal life. But the spirit of God is what we're under now, who can set us free mm-hmm. from death and taxes, eternal life and provision and love and all the stuff we want. And he, best of all, he sets us free then to obey. Yeah. And so you have, Paul's trying to say, you have the power to obey because you've been set free from death. And it now leads to eternal life. And I, it all gets basically nicely summed up in chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, yes. but the free gift of God is right. eternal life in Christ Jesus. Yeah, notice, I mean, the wages. So when you're under the law, you get what you deserve. You're working for that. You're working for your wage. But when you're death. when you're under grace, it's a free gift. And that free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, who we were baptized into. I know. Buried and resurrected with him in our baptism. Love it. So if you've been baptized, to you know what? Celebrate that today. Because uh, you know for a fact, maybe some of us haven't been baptized and we have faith in Christ. I'm not diminishing that faith, but I'm saying, why not get baptized? Yeah. Because it's a great thing God's given us. It's a very objective. It's a birthday way like i know you're alive even if you don't know your birthday like i no doubt you were born but it's kind of fun choose a day and let's celebrate the day you were born and so that's what god gives us a baptism like know that the law was broken Mm -hmm. and you were set free and we can look at baptism to remember that and celebrate it i like that the wages of sin is death but the free gift of god is eternal life in christ jesus our lord and when you open this gift you just want more of life yes and less of death. Mm-hmm. All right. Our song, our song for today is chapter 88, verses 1 through 9. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me. You overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. My eyes grow dim, through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you.
Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We'll talk to you next time.